We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. It is Christmas time. Five days away, right? Who's excited? Who's got their Christmas shopping done? Oh, good people. Who's yet to do their Christmas shopping? Come on, be honest. Thank you. Yes, mostly men. Uh, it, is, it is an amazing fun. It's true. It was all the guys. It is a fun time of year, and I love Christmas. And uh, there are so many things surrounding it that we can enjoy. Um, we all know why we get presents, and we know what the nativity means, but there are some other elements of Christmas which I think are a bit of fun for us to explore. They have interesting stories, meanings that have been given to them. For example, we have here a Christmas tree. Now, a Christmas tree, did you know a Christmas tree apparently is triangular in shape because it represents the Trinity, and the wood represents the cross in which Jesus died. That's very interesting, isn't it? Candy canes. They're shaped the way they are because they're the shape of a shepherd's crook. And they're red and white striped because uh, they represent the purity of Christ with the whiteness and the red is the blood of Jesus. Whether these were originally intended or they've been added, there's some interesting meanings here. Christmas wreaths represent the crown of thorns around Jesus' head. Christmas mince pies were first made in an oval shape to represent the manger that Jesus slept in as a baby, with the top representing his swaddling clothes. And one thing about Christmas mince pies is really, really important. They were originally filled with lamb rather than dried fruits and spices like today. Therefore, I think, here's a, this is not the point of the sermon, but this is really important, I think that we should boycott uh, Christmas mince pies until they go back to their original form. I'm not just saying this because they're gross, but it's mostly because they're gross. <laughs> I remember first sitting down at a table and someone saying, I've got a mince pie, and I bit into it, and it was not what I was expecting. Um, there are a few Christmas mince pies out there, and I'm sure they're beautiful if you're into that kind of thing, uh, but they're not beautiful. You know, it's a bad look for a preacher to say that the audience is crazy, so I'll just think it. Um, then there are the Christmas lights. Why do we associate Christmas with sparkly lights? Well, I've got a little video to get us into the mood, so let's start playing that little video now. See, some people get really into this Christmas light thing. And it can look a little bit like this. Imagine this was your house.
just pull the volume down on that. Just a little bit. Yeah, Tim wants the volume turned up again. And you can just keep watching it in the background there behind me. We can't spend all morning watching Christmas lights. And man, people go to a lot of effort to make these things happen. Imagine the amount of programming that went into that. We don't do as many Christmas lights in New Zealand. You have to wait until after 10 p.m. to see them. But we lived in the UK for six years uh, in a place called Middlesbrough for a couple of years where today, on this day, the sun sets at 3.40 p.m. So you've got plenty of time for Christmas lights. And one Christmas in particular, we went around Middlesbrough and we had a look at some of the lights. And the city do amazing lights, but then a number of homes do too. Nothing like this. Instead, what they do is they get all these different elements of Christmas. They get Santas and they get reindeer and they get uh, nativity, stars, fairy lights, and they just kind of pile them all together. And there was one place we went to where there were hundreds of different items and we had to pay a donation to go and see them all. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, if I was one of your neighbours, I would want to move out for Christmas. Uh, I'd say to you, hey, look, I'll let you do this, but you need to give me a cut of your donations because I can't sleep at night with the amount of light that's going on. Um, Christmas lights, though, are an important part of the Christmas season. But what are the lights of Christmas all about? There is a sense in which the lights of Christmas represent the light of the stars, with the light of the giant star being the star that the wise men followed. But there is another reason we talk about the lights at Christmas. That is quite a show, isn't it? I'm not even sure if you guys are watching me. We could probably cut off that video now so that people pay attention. Light is a common image of Jesus. Sorry. Light is a common image of Jesus, and that's uh, what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. We've been doing this series called Servant King. In it, we've been looking at a series of four prophetic words interspersed in the book of Isaiah. In the first week, Warren explored how God our King became a servant by coming as Jesus and suffering for us, as shown through Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. Then in the second week, he looked at Isaiah 42 and how the servant became a king. Today, we want to look at the purpose of the servant king, his purpose to bring light to dark places. We're going to read some amazing passages of Scripture. We want to explore who the servant is and what purpose the servant has. We're going to read uh, one of our last two servant songs from Isaiah chapter 49. It says this in verse 1. Listen to me, all you distant lands, you in distant lands. Pay attention, you who are far away. The Lord, this is the servant speaking, the Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by my name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like, like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant Israel, and you'll bring me glory. Now here the servant is called Israel. Yet as we're going to see, his purpose is in part to restore Israel. When the prophet calls the servant Israel, he's saying that the servant is not actually the nation of Israel. He's saying the servant will take the place as the true Israel. He will be everything that Israel was supposed to be. See, Israel was called to be a kingdom of priests. They were to represent God to the world, a holy nation. But they failed in this. And this is a big part of what's going on in the prophecy of Isaiah through chapters 40 through 60. But the servant will succeed where they failed. 
even though his path to success is frustrating. Verse 4, I replied, but my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I'll trust God for my reward. And now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me, and my God has given me strength. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. He will be a light to the Gentiles. And this is exactly what the other servant song in Isaiah 42 tells us as well. Verses 6 to 7 says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you. I will guide you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations, the Gentiles. That's those who are non-Israelite people. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. See, the purpose of the servant is to be a light. But what does that even mean? Think about those images from Isaiah 42. Opening the eyes of the blind is a symbol of bringing healing to someone who is sick. Freeing captives from prison is talking about forgiveness rather than judgment. Releasing those who sit in dungeons has a strong imagery of taking someone who is stuck and has no hope and bringing them freedom. Have you ever gone on a long tramp with a heavy pack? You know, you're walking along and you've got this heavy pack on and you had it on all day. After a little while, you just kind of get used to having it on, but then you remove this pack and you automatically begin to feel lighter, right? You begin to feel like this thing that was holding you down isn't holding you anymore. You got used to it, how it was digging in in various places and what was actually on there. But when it's removed, there's a sense of freedom. Imagine wearing that pack for years and then having it removed. That's what the servant came to do, to bring a light that would heal them, that would forgive them, that would bring them lightness and freedom. That was the servant's purpose. I want to ask you this morning, where is there darkness for you? Where is there brokenness? Where is there a heavy weight? The servant came to bring light to those parts of your life. So now we know what the servant will do, but who is this servant? When Jesus is born, he's brought to the temple, and a righteous man named Simeon comes out And takes a look at him. And this is really interesting. He pretty much repeats the words of Isaiah. He says this. He says this in Luke 2, 28. Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is a glory of the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon knows exactly what he's doing in this moment. He is directly quoting from the servant songs. He is taking a look at this baby Jesus and saying, this is it. This is the one that that was talking about. And that's a big call from Simeon. There are other possible interpretations of the servant songs. 
But we see from the moment of Jesus' birth, he was identified as the servant that people had been waiting and longing for. Jesus saw himself as the one to fulfill the role as well. John 8 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have a light that leads to life. And as you look at that servant song, you begin to see how Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. Jesus here is not only identifying himself with Isaiah's servant, but also with the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus is the light of Christmas. He is the servant to dispel the darkness. We have these famous words from Isaiah 9, talking about the Messiah, the new king to come, saying pretty much what Jesus just said. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. That's just what Jesus said. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He'll be king. And he will be called, these amazing words, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The light that the child would bring is the light of a king. A king like no king that had gone before. There is might and authority, but it's used to bring counsel, to care like a father, to never leave, and to bring peace. The final servant's song I'm going to have a look at is in Isaiah 50. And it is another one where it speaks of the servant's obedience, even to suffer, and his determination to complete the mission God has given him. Verses 6 and 7. I offer my back to those who beat me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard, I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will, and I know that I will not be put to shame. The perfect embodiment of these prophecies is Jesus. He is the suffering servant. He is the light of Christmas. He stayed resolute on his purpose. When I read those words, I imagine Jesus beaten and mocked with a cross on his back, walking up towards the hill he will die, and saying over and over again, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like a stone, determined to do his will, and I know that I will not be put to shame. He knew who he was, and he knew what he was doing. What an awesome thing. Jesus did for us. There's an old song called What Would You Do for a King? And it goes like this. What would you do for a king if he won all the battles he went out to fight and returned as a hero on a starlit night to a cheering crowd? Would it make you proud? And what would you do for a king if he kept every promise that he ever made? Would you get out the ticker tape and lead a parade? And what would you do for a king If he took off his crown and agreed to die, and as you tried to understand it, he looked you in the eye and said, this is for you. Well, what would you do? That's the same story that's being told in our servant songs, that we have a king who became a servant so that he could do something for us.
And it's great this morning to, to soak in Scripture and remind ourselves of all Jesus is. We often get told that Jesus, through his life and his, his death, his coming, he fulfilled prophecy. And sometimes you might wonder, well, what do you mean that he fulfilled prophecy? Well, a lot of these Scriptures, this is what we're talking about. When we say Jesus came and fulfilled prophecy, this is the stuff that we're looking at to go, we see that this person they were longing for is found in Jesus. But here's the thing. The prophets never came just to tell the future for no reason. Their whole point was to move people towards a response. And that's what Scripture does for us today. So Isaiah goes on in this last servant song in Isaiah 50. And he challenges us to do something about this knowledge of who Jesus is. Uh, he says in Isaiah 50 verse 10, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? Who is there? Do you fear the Lord? Do you obey his servant? If you're walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. If there is darkness in your life, trust in God. Rely on him. And if you truly fear God, you will obey his servant. I remember one year we uh, took youth out on a, a camp and we went to this campsite that had this amazing indoor maze. It was quite a unique maze because it was a tunnel maze. And what you had to do is you had to get down low on the ground and you had to crawl into this tunnel. And it was really narrow. It was so narrow that you could, uh, it was good for kids, it was really made for kids, but some of our older young people were kind of struggling to get in. And as they got in and they started going into this maze, if they had a dead end, they really couldn't turn around properly. So they had to crawl backwards until they reached out to see where the next offshoot of this maze was. Who's feeling a bit claustrophobic <laughs> just thinking about that? And the great thing was, because it was so low to the ground, it wasn't very high, about this high, uh, we as leaders could actually climb on top and we could run around different parts of the maze and if we saw a young person was coming, there were panels we could pull up and go, rah! And it was really great fun as, as a youth leader. Uh, that's pretty much why youth leaders are youth leaders. It's just so that we can terrorise uh, young people. But the other thing about this maze was that it was extremely dark. You go in just a couple of meters and you wouldn't be able to see anything. It was black. It was pitch black. And occasionally it would get too much for a young person. And they'd be like, oh, I'm freaking out in here. I'm claustrophobic. It's dark. I don't know which way to go. And if we wanted, if we were really kind, what we could do is we could just pull up the panel and we could lift them out. But what we tended to do instead... <laughs> and there's a reason for this. What we tended to do instead is we tended to say, hey, look, I know the way. Just follow my voice, okay? You're right there. You just, there's, a, there's an offshoot there. Crawl through this way, all right? Okay, I'm, I'm just right on top of you. I know where you are. Come this way. Come that way. And eventually we would show them the way to come out. And they would see light again and they would come out to a place of freedom. All they had to do was trust us and follow the sound of our voice. See, we all face darkness in our life. There are times of despair, times of uncertainty, times we get stuck even in our own failures. Our own sin brings darkness to our lives. Yet if we stay close and listen to the voice of Jesus and follow his leading, we'll find freedom. And we wish, don't we, that he'd just pull the panel up and sometimes lift us out. 
But at times what he does is he says, hey, look, I'm right here. We're going to walk through this together. You're going to get through this, and you're going to get to the end, and you're going to actually accomplish something rather than just me bailing you out. Follow the sound of my voice. And that's what Jesus does for us. And that's what Isaiah encourages us to do, to follow the sound of the voice of the servant. But there is an alternate option. After verse 10 is verse 11. It says this, But watch out. Prophets are very good at watch out moments. Watch out, you who live in your own light, and warm yourself by your own fires. This is the the reward you will receive from me. You will soon fall down in great torment. There's a reason we tell our kids not to play with fire. It's very bright and it looks very interesting, but it's destructive. I mean, just look at the Port Hills. Just look at the hills where we've had a few fires in the last week. It destroys so quickly. And the fires we light that we think we can't control, sometimes they consume us. We think we can get out of darkness by our own means. We rely on ourselves, but we end up destroying ourselves. Consider whether any of these people might be like you. Sometimes there are those who act with complete self-assurance. If I'm just confident, then I'll be fine. Uh, If it is to be, it's up to me. I've got it all inside of me to make stuff happen. But then what can happen is they end up hurting the people closest to them. Because the self-assurance turns into self-obsession. Or maybe the person who works to become rich. I've just got to work a little bit harder. I've just got to get this deal done. I've just got to finish this off. I can work up right through the night. They become so driven to work hard that they become a workaholic and they become consumed by that thing. Or maybe someone who becomes focused on acceptance from others creating the right social media brand or public persona so that others affirm them. But then they become crushed by other people's rejection or other people's uh, criticism, and they become all image and no substance. We try to live by our own light in so many ways, yet the end result is that those fires grow out of control and they consume and destroy us. There is only one light we can live by. And that is the light we celebrate coming at Christmas time. That is the light of Jesus. Do you know him today? Do you trust him? Are you listening to his voice? I want you to take a moment to think about the areas of darkness in your own life and the places you feel stuck. Is it a habit? Is it a mindset? Is it 2020? What are the things that you go, I need help, I need light in my darkness? We each need to cry out for help in these areas and let the light of Jesus lead us out of darkness into his glorious light. When we immerse ourselves in his light, everything changes. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, I was standing today in the dark tool shed. The sun was shining outside, and through the crack at the top of the door, There came a sunbeam. From where I stood, that beam of light with the specks of dust floating in it was the most striking thing in that place. Everything else was almost pitch black. I was seeing the beam, not seeing things by it. Then I moved, so the beam fell on my eyes. Instantly, the whole previous picture vanished. I saw no tool shed, and above all, no beam. 
Instead, I saw framed in the irregular cranny at the top of the door green leaves moving on the branches of the tree outside. And beyond that, 90-odd million miles away, the sun. Looking along the beam and looking at the beam are very different experiences. Sometimes I wonder in our Christian walk if we spend more time looking at the beam than looking along the beam. We're in the dark and we're going, oh, that beam looks really great. I can't see anything by it, but I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm still staying in the dark. But what God has for us and what God wants for each of us is to move to the place where we are immersed in the light and we see right the way back to the sun. We see Jesus and we see trees outside. We see the freedom that he offers us and we are out of the dark. Looking along the beam and looking at the beam are very different experiences. So I want to encourage you this morning. The light of Christmas is Jesus. Are we looking at him? But this message is called the lights of Christmas and so far we've only talked about one light. However, there is another light that we need to be aware of at Christmas time. And that light is us. Jesus told us he was the light of the world. However, the mission of the servant was also one that he gave his followers. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, talking to his followers, says to them, and it applies to us, you are the light of the world. You. Hang on a second. The servant who calls people out of darkness who releases people from dark dungeons, who opens eyes that are blind? Us. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights Christmas lights and then puts them under a basket. It doesn't say that, but I added that. No one adds. uh, Instead, uh, they place them on a stand where they give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We are the light when we behave like Jesus and do the things the servant did. We treat people with gentleness and respect. We release them from dark dungeons and ultimately let our God-honoring deeds bring the light to others. A man was walking one day in the city of Glasgow. The streets were so narrow and the houses so high that little direct sunshine ever reached the houses on one side of the street. The man noticed a ragged, barefooted boy trying with a small piece of mirror to catch the sun's rays and direct them to a certain spot on one of the houses opposite. He became interested in the boy's efforts, and he said to him, what are you trying to do? The boy said, do you see the window up there? Well, my brother had an accident two years ago, and is always lying on his back in that room. And it is on the wrong side to get the sunshine. So I always try to catch the light in this mirror and shine it into his room. That's exactly what we have to do for others. We have to catch the light of Jesus and shine it so that others can see. And here's the interesting thing. The extent to which we catch the light is the extent to which we get to shine a light. If we have a really small mirror, that sunlight is going to be just a little beam. However, if we immerse ourselves in the light of Jesus, then we will shine for him more brightly. 
This Christmas, embrace Jesus. Immerse yourself in his light. May you know the light of his that overcomes the darkness in you and around you. This Christmas, look for ways to shine that light on others. As you are visiting with friends and with family, why not see if there's a way that you can serve them? See if there are little jobs that maybe you can help with. Spend some time catching up with them again and listening to what has been going on in their lives. Really listen. Take it to the next level. Go just that little bit deeper. And then bring hope and encouragement. Show them how they can be thankful. Show them the good things that are going on in their life. And bring the light of Jesus to them. We have a great light at Christmas. We have a great servant. A phenomenal king. And we get to shine him to others. Then we can all be the lights of Christmas. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.